Welcome to Tribes Podcast. Thank you for making this message a part of your week. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we would love for you to visit our tribe family. We meet on Sundays at 5.30 at the Snow King Conference Center. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can find us online or on Facebook by searching tribejh.com. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. And while you're turning to Matthew chapter 21, last week we were in Matthew as well. We talked about the triumphal entry where uh, Jesus goes from uh, the Mount of Olives and descends down into Jerusalem. And uh, while he's going into Jerusalem, people surround him and it's this amazing kind of parade of a triumphal entry of Jesus entering in Jerusalem, which was the fulfillment of the prophecy that the Jews had long been looking forward to that the Messiah had finally arrived. And as we approach Easter, I wanna take one more step in the journey, kind of preparing our hearts, getting us ready for for Easter. And and today we're gonna look at a story that you've probably read in the Bible before, and you might not know where to fit that particular story. Because it's really great to think about Jesus sitting down on some, you know, tree stump or something and, and, you know, being encircled by little children all around and he's rubbing their heads and, hey, guy. And, you know, we think about Jesus being compassionate to the woman that was caught in adultery, you know, like, like well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We think about Jesus taking the, the hand of the, the guy that was lowered down in the mat through the roof of the building and the, the compassion and the tenderness of Jesus but this story doesn't really have a nice convenient box to fit in. So I'm gonna read from Matthew chapter 21 and uh, scroll down to verse 12 and uh, I'm gonna read just a few verses. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all of the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. Well, hey, we just get right to it. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Jesus replied, yes. Haven't you heard this? Haven't you ever read the scriptures? Burn. For they say, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany where he stayed over the night. If you're taking notes tonight, one of the things that Clay mentioned was um, uh, there's a gray connect card in your seat. We'd love to have a record of your visit or if there's any information you'd like us to know or anything that you want to tell us, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, there's another Gray Connect card in that seat, and that's for you to take notes. And if you're taking notes tonight, you can write down the title of tonight's message. The title of tonight's message is this, The Disruption from Distraction. The Disruption from Distraction. I toyed with an alternate uh, title for the message, uh, Jesus on the Turntables, but I thought if they were, you know, somebody was just scrolling through looking at sermon titles and they saw Jesus on the turntables, you know, that might throw them off. So 
So I went with this one, but you can, you, if you want to write that one down, you can, you can. It's one of the most shocking events in the ministry of Jesus. It seems, it seems as though it's really out of context and really out of character for Jesus. And when we read this story, and by the way, this story is one of the few stories that's in all four of the Gospels. It was important enough that all four Gospel writers, biographers writing about the life of Jesus, included this in their story of Jesus. And when you read this story, I don't know about you, but, but usually the, the things that jump out of me are kind of the, the, the violence of his actions. I mean, he makes a whip, He's driving out the merchants. He's chasing out all the livestock. He knocks over the, the, the money-changing tables there. And as I read this story, there are two big questions that, that come up in my heart. Why? Jesus, why? Why such a dramatic display? And what were you trying to accomplish? Well, answers to both of those questions are, are right here in the text. If we search around for it. Let me, let's tackle this first question. Why this dramatic display? Why did he need to do this? Was it just some sort of a temple tantrum? Hey, hey, I only get to use that joke just a few times a year. This is Easter, I'm using the joke. We're close. Oh, so I get one more time? All right. Why this dramatic display? Well, we'll take a look. It's not like he had a temple tantrum and just kind of just like lost it like that is it uh, if any of you are parents in here I'm sure that that you guys have parent as parents have have never done this or when you were a kid I'm sure you never redlined your parents to the point where they just lost it I mean listen I never have but other parents I've heard stories that other parents like you just kind of get fed up you kind of reach this breaking point and you're like enough is that is that what Jesus is doing here? Well, let's take a look. Um, uh, hang, a, hang a right just really quick, or you can write it down. In Mark chapter 11, we see something really interesting. Mark chapter 11, and in fact, it is right after the triumphal entry in it, and it ends, the triumphal ends with verse 11 of chapter 11, and it says this. So Jesus came into Jerusalem and he went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. You might not have caught that little detail before, but when Jesus comes in after the triumphal entry, there's one little detail in the book of Mark that it was late in the day. He walked straight to the temple but because it was late in the afternoon, the Bible says he looked around, saw everything, and then turned around and went back. It was the next day that he comes into the temple and causes a ruckus. The biography uh, written by Matthew about Jesus' life, it just kind of compresses and squishes those events together. And so what we see is Jesus not just losing his temper, that is it. You lose your cell phone for a month. It's Jesus walking around. He looked at it and he goes, hmm, something needs to be done about this. He didn't just lose his temper. He didn't just have some sort of emotional moment of weakness. 
This was very calculated. Very calculated. He was waiting for the maximum amount of people to be in that temple, in that temple court, so that they could witness and all benefit from what he was about to do. Well, what was he about to do? The next question that I would ask, Lord, if I could sit down and interview Jesus about this story, the next question I would ask him not only is, why such a dramatic display, which we were, we're learning, it wasn't just he lost it, but he was, he was very intentional about what he did. But the next question that I would ask Jesus is, what were you trying to accomplish? Could there have been a different way or, or, a, or a better way? What were you trying to accomplish? Well, let's look closely again at the details of this story. And you can go back and, and look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at this story from these four different angles for yourself and study it and, and look at the details. Because even though it appears that Jesus was being really violent and destructive, he was actually very calculated in what he did. Uh, in, the, in the Gospel of John, it says that he braided together you know, some ropes and he made a, a whip but he wasn't using the whip on the people. Like I looked up, a, one, of, one of my favorite things to do is I'm, as I'm studying and preparing for these different messages, I read about these you know, iconic moments of Jesus. I love to do like a little Google image search, search of like Jesus clears the temple and you, know, you kind of get like the, the Lego version and then you, know, you, you, you get all these you know, stick figure drawings and then there are these classic works like Renaissance paintings of like Jesus clearing the temple and and in all of the pictures I think they got it wrong because they didn't read the text close enough and all the pictures and the beautiful paintings that I saw Jesus is using that whip on people Jesus ain't gonna whip people that's not Jesus if you look closely you'll see that he, he makes the whip and the whip is for the animals to get them going Sheep and, and goats and uh, heifers and, and bulls and all these different animals that were used in the temple sacrificial system. He didn't use a whip on people. He was using it to get those donkeys going. And then it says that, that he turned over the, the money tables. Yes, he turned over the money tables, but he didn't take the money and be like, shame on you, I'm putting this in my pocket. That'd be stealing. He didn't steal anything. He didn't take the coins and like throw them up into the air, out, out into the people. He just knocked over the tables. What is he trying to accomplish? When he turned over those, 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 those tables, you know, um, the, the, that's where we get our English word bank from, right? I gotta go down to the bank. So in the, old, in the old system, if you lived in Jesus' days, you, you were coming to the temple to make an offering and you couldn't use like your regular money that you acquired from wherever in the region of Palestine. You had to convert your dirty, filthy money to clean temple money. Then once you got your clean temple money, then you would go to a, 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 a little booth where you could get a turtle dove or you could get a, a, a sheep or a goat, you know, something for your offering. And then you take that goat and then you go stand in line. And then we've talked about the, the order and the process for 
uh, for the sacrificial system for the forgiveness of sins according to the Old Testament laws and tradition that God told Moses. So there were these guys that had these booths, these tables, and they had temple money, and they would exchange your filthy, nasty money for this clean, uh, purified temple money. And the exchange happened at a table called a bank. Now, that's a good place for somebody to say, hmm, okay, okay, okay. He had something specific in mind. What was Jesus trying to accomplish? He had something specific in mind. And to get some insight into what Jesus was trying to accomplish, we have to look at a passage from the Old Testament. So hang a left really quick. This is worth going there to the book of Hosea. Hosea, turn to the book of Hosea or, or click on that book after Jeremiah, after Daniel, and you're gonna, get the, you're gonna find it. I already have it written down. Hosea chapter 11. And if you can't find it, just write the address down and listen to this. Remember, you need to have this question spun up in your mind. What was Jesus trying to accomplish by this? Hosea chapter 11. I'm gonna read just two verses for you. Verse eight through 10. God is speaking and he says this. Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Ahmad or demolish you like Zeboim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel for I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you and I will not come to destroy. And this is the good part. For someday, the people will follow me, and I, the Lord, will roar like a lion. And when I roar, my people will return, trembling from the west. If you are a parent, you have to teach your, you have to teach your children a lot of different things. One of them is, and you don't even have to be a parent of like a, a human. You can be a parent of like a dog, right? A lot of, everybody owns a dog around here. We happen to have two kids and two dogs. And whether it's a child or a dog, part of living in this life is learning how to deal with traffic and cars that are buzzing around uh, back and forth on the street. I've never once seen a kid car encounter where the kid wins. Ugh. I've never seen once a dog car encounter where the dog wins. Not good. So as good parents, we have to teach our children to be aware of the street. And before you cross the street, what are you supposed to do? Somebody's raising them right. <laughs> that was really good. You gotta look both ways. Now, do puppies always look both ways? No. Do kids always look both ways? No. Kids are really great at just darting out across the street. So as a good parent, before you even get to that street, what do you do? As a good parent, you, you, tell, your, you tell your son, hey, we're coming up onto this street here. Before you cross the street, you've got to look both ways. 
Okay, okay. Here, hold my hand. We're coming up to this street. All right, now what do you do, son? That's right. And if there's a car coming, you don't step out. You don't look both ways and then step out. You got to wait to make sure there's no cars. And you practice with them and practice and practice and practice and practice. And then there comes that day, right, where they want to cross the street and you're like, all right, bud, you got this. Hey, don't forget. I don't look both ways. Not my kids, but like other people's kids. What do they do? Or I should say, what do they not do? They don't look both ways. They're just like, maybe they're chasing a ball. Maybe they're going out for something. They walk right out into the street. Now, does a good parent stand back and say, oh, sweetheart, oh, sweetheart, you want to be careful. Oh, please look both ways. You've already told them that, right? We're kind of beyond that point. As they step out into the street and you look and you see that start bus coming, you're going to do something violent or extreme. You've got to get their attention. Hey, look both ways. Hey, don't step out in the traffic. Hey, watch out. Look at, what, look at, at, at Hosea, what it says. In Hosea, it says, for someday the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion. That's what that parent is doing before their child steps out into the street to get waylaid by the start bus. God's roaring. And he says, when I roar, my people will return trembling from the west. Jesus, what were you trying to accomplish? He said, I had, I had warned the people, I had warned the people, and now I had to choose this moment, a dramatic moment, to get their attention. And to say, this is not what this temple is for. My house will be a house of prayer. And he roars like a lion. Look at that story. Look at that verse in Hosea. Because it says something interesting. It says that when he roars, the people will return trembling. Now, don't get the wrong idea of God that he's some sort of, you know, throne sitting heaven looking down on you know the mass of filthy people with a lightning bolt clutched in his hand waiting to just fling it at the sinner on earth but he's time after time after time after time after time has sent the bible says he sent his prophets to warn the people of israel god says he's planted eternity in the human heart meaning that there, that instinctively, intuitive, we, we have this, this moral compass on the inside of us. In the Bible, in the New Testament, it, it says that, that whenever we have thoughts or words or actions or decisions that, that are in line with God and his ways, it says that our conscious, like, bears witness with us. It confirms it. It's like, hey, right on, good job. And in the same way, whenever we, whenever we do something, say something, act a certain way, or live a certain lifestyle that's contrary to his ways, 
The, 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 the Bible says that our conscience accuses us. So we've, it would be bad parenting if you had never taught your child about the dangers of crossing the street and they step out for that first time and you just unload on them. That would be bad parenting. Zero to 10, which I've never done, right, Kai? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that, would, that is bad parenting. But, but he's, he's warned and he's warned and he's warned. And so now in his great love, it says that he's torn within him and that his compassion overflows. But he has to get our attention. There needs to be some type of disruption from the distraction that we've been living in. And it says that they will, they will return trembling. Have you ever, as a parent, have you ever had to like get your child's attention and for a moment it, it startles him and maybe frightens him? Or if you've had a puppy and they're like just about to, you know, like right on the edge of your carpet and you're like, hey, let's go outside. There's a roar that God has because he needs to, to, to create a disruption from all the distraction that's going on in our life. And it says right here in, in Hosea that when that happens, the people will return trembling. And the idea behind this trembling is humility or realization of like, okay, you have my attention Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but has anybody in here ever, like, God has gotten your attention in like a yank you by the collar sort of way? Woo, it is unmistakable, and it will cause you to tremble in a, in a reverent way of humility, not out of fear like you're gonna beat me, because he's a good father. And it says this, look at this, this last line. It says that my people will return trembling from the west, Huh? From the west? I mean, he could have picked any direction. He could have said anything. The author of Hosea could have said anything, but it says that they will return trembling from the west. What's interesting about the, the west? Well, when you look at that word in the Hebrew, it means, the Hebrew word for west means ocean. It means two things. Ocean is one of them, because imagine if you are in Israel, if you're in Palestine, what's to the west? The Mediterranean Sea. But it also has a, a separate meaning, a, a related meaning in the Hebrew, and it comes with it, this idea of a cacophony of noise, a roaring of noise. And there are times in our life when God has to create a disruption that will cut through all of the distraction and the cacophony of noise and the roar of noise and things that are going on in our life to get our attention and say, hey, I have something better for you. Because Jesus had something better than selling trinkets and little, little things in the marketplace. Look at, look at the, the, the last part of that story, chapter 21 Verse 14 of Matthew, and I'm gonna start to land the plane here. Right after he clears the temple, verse 14, it says this. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And the leading priests and teachers of religious law saw those wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting. So before, it was the sound of 
donkeys and goats and people haggling, hustling and bustling, and, and, and there were just there was so much distraction going on. Now it says the temple was filled with the praise of children. Praise God for the son of David. Once all of this, the distractions were removed, Jesus could get back to the work of the real temple. Once there is a disruption in your life caused by him to cut through all the distraction, now he's got your attention. What is it that he wants to do? I think a lot of people try to block out the roar of Jesus in their life because they're afraid that if they tune into him, that he's gonna have a message of condemnation, that he's gonna have a message of failure. You've messed up here, you've blown it here, you're no good here, you've, you're this, you're that, how could you, I want it. Well, you just don't know Jesus then, is all. Because look what happened immediately after he chased out and, and eliminated all that distraction. The Bible says that, that he was healing people, loving people, children were like coming around, singing. That's what Jesus has for us, for anybody that would dare to, to set aside the distraction and actually engage with the disruption that God has for them. I wrote this down in my notes. It says this, that there's a, there's a false roar of the world that is constantly saying, hey, direct your attention over here. Hey, direct your attention over here. Direct your attention over here. Direct your attention over here. But there's an authentic roar that comes from God. And it's designed to be a disruption in our life. And I've, I've reached the end of my notes. And tonight what I wanna do is kinda do a, a sort of like a reverse altar call. <laughs> you know, at the end of every tribe service, we always leave a little bit of room for a ministry moment because you can have an impartation of information all day long. And, and honestly, probably many of you in here have been to thousands and thousands of church services if, you, if you've added it up over the years. What you don't need any more of is transmission of information. What you need is an encounter with the living Jesus that will result in transformation. So every week we, we make time for transformation to happen. Maybe a, a, a big giant work happens and, and you go from like a zero to an eight, whatever that means. But sometimes you just crack the door open and it goes from a zero to a two. But we don't want to ever just say, okay, that was a great message. Let me just pray for you. Off you go, have a great week. We want to create some
something. Some ministry moments are to receive something from the Lord. But tonight it's going to be kind of like a, like a, we're going to turn the tables on the ministry moment and you are going to have an opportunity to invite Jesus to do something. He's always inviting you to do something. But tonight, I want to give you an opportunity for you to invite him to do something. Tonight's invitation is for you to invite Jesus to set foot in the temple of your life and overturn any tables that he needs to. Now you have every right to, to be like, I like my merchant tables where they are. I like everything that's going on in my life right now. Don't mess. But maybe somebody in here tonight will be brave enough to be like, yeah, I got so much. There's so much of a roar, a distraction in my life. Oh, Jesus, I invite you to come in and turn over any tables that you want in my life. Because you know that he doesn't do it to harm you, to hurt you, to shame you, to set you back. He does it to set you free. That was good. So let's take just a moment. Uh, right where you are, would you just stand to your feet? of the temple 
of your life. And there will be tables overturned. We don't get a choice in that. But thankfully, we do get a choice in when that happens. We can invite him in our heart. trust you. You can trust him. You can trust him. Turn over the tables in my heart. The Bible says, examine my heart, O God. Point out any offensive way. Cleanse and purify my heart. In the New Testament, it says that every man's work will be tried by
tribe. Uh, maybe there's an area of your heart that you need to invite Jesus to turn the tables over. Maybe you just need him to turn the, the tables over like in your, your whole life. Like, and tonight for the first time you want to, you know that you need to surrender your entire life to him. Invite him into your heart. Make him the leader of your life. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you're like, I've never gotten saved. I've never become a Christian. But tonight, I want to take that step of faith. Then I'm going to say some words. And you say them in the stillness of your heart. Tonight, nobody's going to join with you. This is just between you and the Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And don't just say the words like repeating after me. Mean them with all of your heart. And it goes like this. Jesus, here you are in, the, in the, the temple of my life. You look around and you see all of the chaos. You see all of the things that don't belong there. Jesus, will you forgive me of my sin? You shed your blood on the cross for me, for the forgiveness of my sin. Tonight, I ask that your blood be applied to my life. And that tonight, I would get a brand new life in you. Jesus, thank you for clearing out all of the junk from the temple of my life, my heart. I invite you to do a long and lasting work in my life. And then in the stillness of your heart, you say this too. You say, I turn my back on Satan and all of his schemes and plans for my life. And in the best way that I know how, I'm going to run hard after you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for being the boss of my life. Now you take just a moment and make it personal. Maybe tonight's the first time you're saying that prayer. Maybe it's been a long time since you've said that prayer and you're coming back into right relationship with God. You take just a moment and make it personal. that out before the buckets come around. Um, there's even a place that says, let's celebrate. Check the following that applies. I gave my heart to Jesus. I rededicated my life to the Lord. God set me free. Oh, he just turned the tables upside down on me. Whatever you need to, whatever you need to say and then put your information there. Put it, put it right on there. Um, uh, Clay, are you going to talk about these? 
Okay, all right. I'll let I'll let you talk about these. This is really cool. Um, in just a few weeks, uh, we're going to Mongolia, and uh, even though just a few of us are physically going, we're all going to Mongolia. And before we we transition into the offering, um, I want to invite Monique up here just really quick, and. Uh, you got a picture, you got a word for us? So I was just praying um, kind of generally over just us tonight, and then Brian asked if I had a picture, and I didn't have one yet, and then the Lord just deposited one to me, and it was like, um, when you're a kid, did you ever have your mom um, help take a splinter out of your finger, and you're like, no, but you know it's... Um, well, as a kid, I don't know, sometimes you don't know that it's good for it to be removed. You, you just know that it'll hurt. And so um, that and then kind of like a little kind of a, a side picture, almost like that was like the major picture, like the A picture. And then the B picture was also just like um, a skinned wound, like on a knee that's really um, deep. And then the hydrogen peroxide comes and you're like, you see that bottle and you're like, no, you're like, just put a Band-Aid on it. Or, um, and, so the word that the Lord just attached to that was just an encouragement that there's areas of our life that, um, that you know, maybe even like that splinter is there. Maybe you're like, Mom, no. And so she let you just for a while, like, not get that out right away. And even like skin maybe came over it, right? And so maybe the, the pain dulled a little bit, but it was still there. And so just these areas of our life that we've prayed maybe a long time that have maybe been back there a little bit and dull and we know that are there, just encouragement and belief that the Lord um, can today and wants to remove them mm. by his mercy, like by that table turned over. It may look and it may feel in the moment violent or like, ah, I don't want that, but that's the pathway to the miracles, to the praise, to the healing, to breakthrough, um, to just a new place with him. And so, um, yeah, I just want to encourage you with that. Um, he, yeah, spoke that word to me, and so um, just trust that um, it's for someone else here tonight too. That's good. So, so in a moment, I'm going to have you pray yeah. into that. Um, but, but, so the Lord put this picture on Monique's heart. She didn't. He didn't put it on her heart to just be like, yay. He put it on her heart for somebody in here. And you know who you are because while she was talking, you're like, oh, uh. so will you, in your own way, in your own time, just let the Lord have that place that's got that splinter? He might have to dig in there a little bit, but he doesn't want it to get infected. So, Monique, you, you pray into that situation, and if that's you, you just got to let the just receive from the Holy Spirit. You pray into that. So Lord, I just thank you that you're a good God and that your mercy chases us down. That your mercy returns to the temple. Doesn't let us um, continue in those ways because you know that it will spread, Lord, that it'll dull our hearts, Lord, towards you. And so God, just thank you for your mercy. Lord, give us courage. God, courage to believe that you can um, you can uproot and clean these areas of, of our life to the core, that they could be gone forever, forever, Lord God. They already are. The east is from the west, like this morning, um, 
the beginning of tonight we heard, Lord God, but um, the reality is we may be battling with it still. God, thank you that um, this side of heaven, it can be gone forever. So God, give us the courage to lay out our hand and say, take out our splinter, clean our wound, clean the knee, let the let us um, experience that temporary burn of the peroxide, Lord God, that stinging of the needle, Lord God, that bleeding to experience full healing. So Lord, I just thank you that you died um, on the cross, not that we can experience that full healing just in heaven, but this side of heaven. Lord God, thank you that that's your heart. So I pray for, um, for anyone who's experiencing that tonight, Lord. May you um, just grant them the courage, Lord, the faith of a mustard seed that you, um, that you honor, God, to believe. So, Lord, um, yeah, may you just send someone to alongside them to stand with them in this. And um, we're just believing for breakthrough, for healing, for miracles, for praise, um, for new, new places, Lord, in our walk with you, God, just unleashed. Um, so we just thank you, Lord. And we just ask that you would seal this in Jesus' name. And just before you say amen, because nobody's looking around, because you always pray with your eyes closed, and everybody's praying. Let's let's see, who who is that word for? If you're like, oh, I feel like I've got a splinter in there that I've kind of been protecting from getting dug out, but I know that that splinter needs to get dug out. Who is that for? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Monique. So good. All right. Hey, now, now, let's talk about offering just real quick. Um, The ushers can take their place. Um, We worship God through song. This is how we fight our battles. We worship God by honoring the word that's preached. Okay, Lord, dig that splinter out. Turn over the tables in my life. And we also worship God through our tithes and offerings. Um, and on this connect card and also on the screen here, you can see different ways to give. Of course, you can give by check or by cash to try, but you can also, it's really great to be generous through your smartphone. And there are instructions either on the screen or on your connect card. Do you have your smartphone with you? <laughs> Where were you just then? You were looking right at me. <laughs> see, if you don't know this, I mean, I like to, I like to... <laughs> all over people and I might come over here. So let me pray to, as we receive the offering, Clay's got some great announcements. Uh, I was starting into Mongolia, but I'll just let Clay hit that with the announcements. Lord Jesus, you are so good to us. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Lord, that that you're you're kind enough to us, that you just don't let the, the clutter build up and the distraction build up, but you, you break in with a disruption to cut through the distraction. And Lord, we want to take just a moment and tell you thank you with our tithes and offerings. We ask that you would use these finances to make your name famous here at Tribe, in Jackson Hole, and even to the uttermost bounds of the earth, including Mongolia. In Jesus' name.